We're on lesson three of mind control. I hope you've been blessed. These have been some really good lessons, and we're just breaking down one particular scripture. Uh, we're talking about the mind. We're talking about the thoughts, the things that go on inside of this little space on our shoulders. Uh, we're talking about thinking thoughts that honor God. Uh, maybe you've heard the statement before, new year, new me. Anybody ever said that? <laughs> new year, new me, baby. I'm on a new track. <laughs> you hear people say that, and it's like, okay, talk to me in three months, bro. <laughs> the, a more corrective ter correct term would probably be new mind, new mindset, new me. Because before there can be a new me, I've got to have a new mind. I've got to think things. I can't just decide like, yeah, this year it's going to be a new me. No, I've got to correct some things in my thinking. Before we can be new, we have to have a renewed mind, the Bible says. And, and I'll read that scripture later as part of this lesson. But we've got to have the mind of Christ. We've got to recalibrate our thinking. We've got to, to restructure our thought life. If we're going to be victorious in Christ, if we're going to walk in the will of God, if we're going to walk in victory, it starts right here. It starts right in our minds. We've got to recalibrate that mind, get in alignment with the word of God, get in alignment. This is the mind of Christ here. Having the spirit of God and the word of God will give you the mind of God. So we've got, to, we've got to restructure and recalibrate and reprioritize some things in our life to get our thoughts right, to get our thinking in alignment with God's thinking. We may not be able to stop the birds from flying over our head. You ever heard the quote? It's, it's, it's very familiar. We, we may not be able to stop the birds from flying over, but we can stop them from making a nest in our hair. What that means is we may not be able to stop the enemy from bombarding us with attacks on our mind, with bombarding us with thoughts and ideas, but we can stop him from taking up residence in our mind. We can stop him from having a permanent place where his lies can affect the way we live and affect the way we think. We've got, to, we've got to get into the word of God. We've got to have the word of the Lord at work in our hearts and in our minds if we are going to overcome many of the thoughts that we battle, many of the things that we allow affect our moods and affect our attitude and affect our faith, affect our walk with God. It affects our relationships with other people. All of it is from what we have going on up here. And a lot of that is because the enemy is just constantly and consistently attacking our thoughts, attacking the what we think and how we feel about ourselves and what we think about ourselves and what we think about other people and what we think about everything. It's the enemy trying to beat our minds down to give us a negative mindset, a critical mindset. This is what our text is. I hope after the end of all this, these last three lessons, we've got this particular text memorized. Philippians 4 and 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. That's a lot Paul was giving us. He gave us a chunk right there of steak that we can just cut little pieces off. And that's what we've been doing over the last three weeks. We've been cutting little pieces off this big chunk of meat that the apostle Paul gave us. And we've been taking bite-sized pieces and just chewing on this scripture, breaking it down and letting it feed us. Tonight, we're going to talk about virtue and praise. Virtue and praise. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these thoughts. Arthur Fletcher said that the mind is a terrible thing to waste. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. Our life often is a reflection of what we have going on in our minds. The things that we are thinking, the thoughts that we entertain regularly will lead us. They will reflect, our lives will reflect what we have going on in our head. Uh, and if, if it doesn't at the moment, it will eventually reflect what you have going on, what you're thinking about. If you think long enough about buying a new car, eventually you're going to take your old car and sell it and trade it in and you're going to get a new car. Because your thoughts will drive your actions. It is the mind that drives the thoughts. So what we're thinking about eventually will, our lives will reflect it. If you're thinking about doing something wrong, if, you're, if your mind is constantly thinking about uh, sin, eventually you will sin. What's going on in your head will eventually come out in your actions. But the word of God gives us the tools we need to overcome these thoughts to overcome the bombardment of the enemy. The word of God will help us reshape our thoughts and give direction to our lives. We live in a day and in a culture where mental health is very real and mental health struggles and problems are very real in our culture. Uh, there are more over-the-counter pharmaceutical drugs for mental health than we can shake a stick at. There is so much that they just keep pushing on people because people are battling all these thoughts, all these feelings, all these ideas. People are battling just constant negativity and criticism of self. They're battling self-hate. They're battling depression. They're battling all these oppressive thoughts. That is the culture and the society that we live in. So they're just constantly pushing off medication to try to medicate people's mind. But in all reality, what people need is the word of the Lord to wash over the mind and wash over the thoughts and to help reshape and restructure the way we see life. Mental health is such a, a, such a real thing. We, we probably all know somebody who has taken their own life because they had, they had let the thoughts defeat them and let the mind uh, break down on them and, and got to a place where they felt hopeless. Uh, just it's, it's so common. 
And, and I don't want to get too far into that, but the, the fact is the enemy is trying to dominate people's mind. The, the spirit of this world wants to dominate your mind. He wants to dominate your thoughts because if he can do that, then you were, you were altogether defeated. If you lose the battle of the mind, then you have lost the war because this right here is where victory and defeat happens long before you see it in people's actions. Our minds really are the battlefield of our lives. And victory and defeat hinges on who we give control of our mind to. The enemy tries to defeat us by manipulating what we think about. The greatest battles we fight happen in this little seven inch space, eight inch space between our ears. The greatest battles you will ever fight will take place right here. And many people will never know the battles that you have faced because it was just you and your thoughts. But God has given us weaponry to help us overcome those thoughts. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not drugs. They are not prescriptions. The weapons of our warfare are not natural. They are supernatural. He has given us the weapons we need to pull down strongholds. Do, do you know what a stronghold is? It's not the fort in your neighbor's backyard where you can go tear it down because their kids are shooting windows out. That, the stronghold is the fort inside your mind that the enemy has erected where he can go to in that little place and shoot down upon you and rain down upon you and terrorize you and torment you. But the Bible says that our weapons, we can pull them strongholds down. That, we, that place that the enemy can run to in your mind, you can destroy it so that he no longer has a place of access where he can come in and out as he pleases. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. He said, casting down imaginations in every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. That's, that's exalting himself against people knowing God or knowing God more intimately. And, and if he can defeat us in our minds, then we cannot grow. We cannot know God any more than we have. Because we can only go as far as the battle lines have been drawn. Peter said this, 1 Peter 1 and 13. He said, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind, the apostle Peter said. In this particular scripture, he's using this analogy of like somebody putting on their belt with their sword. You, a, a soldier would gird his loins up. He would put his armor on. And then he, the last thing he would do, he would, he would gird up his loins. He would put on his belt. He would hang his sword off that belt. He, would, he was getting ready for battle. He was equipping himself. The apostle Peter said, you need to gird up the loins of your mind. You need to equip your mind. You've got to prepare your mind. You cannot just have an idle mind. 
You've heard the saying, the idle hands are a devil's workshop. The idle mind is the devil's playground. Peter said, gird up the loins of your mind. You've got to equip your mind and prepare your mind for every day. Every day's battles, every day's struggles, every day's bombardment of thoughts and ideas and, and, and different words that people speak and, and say and critical tongues. It, it just, it, it's never ending. The attack can come from anywhere. It can come from somebody you love saying something that hurts you. And it gets in the mind. And, and you let that eat at you. Or, or the attack can come by just a, a, an old memory that rises up. And, and it, you remember a, maybe a failure in your life or a struggle in your life. And you let that wear on you. Uh, the attack can come from something. You sit down and you want to watch a show and all of a sudden you see something or something, you watch something you should. And next thing you know, you have condemnation just, just battling in your mind. The, the attack can come from different places. You've got to gird up the loins of your mind. You've got to equip your mind for the battle because you know your thoughts are eventually going to come and you're going to have to determine what you give residence to, what you give place to. Sow a thought. Reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. But it starts with a thought. Speaking of sowing, the devil loves to sow. He loves to sow thoughts. He loves to sit back and throw darts at the righteous. He loves to sit back and, and try to aim at our mind and sow a seed thought. If he can plant a seed thought in our minds, he knows that if he just has to sit back at that point and watch and see if we give space in our minds to that thought. You have to understand that the enemy knows you. He knows you. He knows your address. He knows your family. He knew your prior family. He knows your history. He knows what seeds to sow in your mind that will cause you to struggle, cause you to stumble. You have to exterminate those seeds with the word of God. The word of God is able to exterminate the seeds that the enemy sows in your mind. You have to take action. You cannot just decide, I'm not going to think about that. You have to replace that with a God thought, with a scripture. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. He's not saying just resist it, but you have to replace it with something that is good and something that is right. God's word has the power to purge our minds of toxic thoughts and things that will pollute our spirits. This is why the Bible tells us to take on the whole armor of God. Take on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6 and 11. And a key component of the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. He said, you have to put on something that will cover this, this dome, this bald spot. <laughs> you got to put on something to cover the mind. You've got to guard your thoughts. The enemy wants in there. He wants in your head. He wants in your mind. 
You have to get the armor of God on you. Do me a favor when you get home and read Ephesians chapter 6 and say, Lord, I want to put this on. I want to put this armor on my life. I want to walk in victory. But the thing about it is you have to pray them and actively put them on. You have to take action. You can't just sit idly by and expect yourself to be equipped and armed and ready for the battle. Put the helmet of salvation on. If you want to live in victory, if you want to walk a victorious life of faith, you have got to equip your mind. You have got to overcome the thoughts that the enemy is trying to use to keep you from growing and keep you from going forward. God has given us the tools. He's given us the weapons. But sometimes we fight uphill battles. But if we will intentionally give Jesus control of our minds, we can walk in victory. We have got it. Like I, I started this off, who we allow to have control of our minds will determine whether we have victory or defeat. Here's the here's the problem. Some of us have grown. And we've stayed in one spot. For years you grew and you felt yourself growing and you felt yourself walking with God and you got so far and now you feel like there's just a cap on it. Now you feel like there's just a glass ceiling and your growth has stagnated. Why is that? Because there are things going on in your head that you have not overcome yet. There are things going on in your mind that you have not defeated yet. There are strongholds up here that you have not pulled down yet. You have got to overcome the mental hurdles before you can take the next step of faith. You can only go as far of in your faith as your mind will allow you to go. And if you're carnally minded or if you're defeated in your mind, you will only grow so far. You've got to overcome that mental hurdle that says, no, you're right here. This is as far as the enemy has sown a seed and said, no, you can grow this far and you can go no more. You can be no more spiritual. You can reach no higher. You can win nobody else. You can do nothing more for God. This is it for you. That is a lie of the enemy. That is a lie in a mental seed that has been sown in the lives of believers. And this is not in my notes. This is from the Lord. He has sown a seed and said, this is as far as you go. But you can pull that stronghold down. You can rip that stronghold down and say, I will be more. God has more for me. I will do more for God. I will be more for God. I will grow more than I've ever grown in this new year. I will go further than I've ever gone in this new year. I will reach more people and speak into the in more lives than I have ever spoken into. Why? Because the Lord says I can. It's in the mind. It's in the mind. You have to overcome that thought that says this is all you'll ever be. That's a lie. Pull it down, rebuke it, replace it with God's thoughts that says I am more than a conqueror. Christ is the ultimate victor. And when he controls our minds, there is no limit to what we can do for him. I've seen this. I've felt this. And I've seen people and I thought, I can never be that. I can never do that. Why? 
I've got the same God, right? We've got the same word. We've got the same spirit. We've got the same name. So why can they do it and we can't? Why can they have a, a, a growing, exploding church and we can't? Because we limit ourselves to what our thoughts are manifesting. The power of virtue in praise can change us. Virtuous thoughts, if there be any virtue. This literally means mental, moral, or physical excellence. To have virtue is to have an excellent spirit. To, to be virtuous is to be wholesome. Is to be uh, to have piety. Is to be godly. If there be any virtue, if there be any excellence, if there be any uh, godliness, if the, if it's wholesome, the apostle Paul is saying, if it's something that is good, something that is excellent, something that is wholesome, think on these things. Think on these things. Let your mind dwell on these things. It, you know, the brain is a muscle. You can exercise that muscle. You can work that muscle by what you think about, what you're reading, what, what you're taking part of. The Apostle Paul, they, he was saying you have to active, you have to be intentional about this. You've got to be intentional about what you think about. It's not always easy to think about things that are wholesome and things that are godly and things that are pure and things that are excellent. Our natural mind, our human mind will naturally steer this way. So it takes intentionality to, to really dwell on these things, to really think about these things. Uh, it, our world devalues morals. We have to entertain virtuous thoughts. We have to intentionally entertain what is godly, or our minds will naturally fill up with what is ungodly. Entertaining wholesome thoughts and good things is what the apostle was suggesting. What are some good, wholesome things that you can think about? What, what are some things that you can think about that you know are God-pleasing? Things, areas in your life that you know are good. Think about maybe, maybe what is going on in your church. Maybe what is going on in somebody's life that you're proud of. Maybe you can think about what the good things that God is doing in their lives. Sometimes you have to think about other people and get outside of yourself. Maybe in your life there's not anything going that you can really pick and say, that right there, that's awesome, that's good, that's godly, that's whole. Maybe you can think about what you want to be. Maybe you can think about what you're striving to be. Maybe you can think about what, what you would hope to be someday. I hope to be that. I want to be that. I, I, I believe I can be that. I see myself being that. And all of a sudden, your mind starts, starts working in forward motion. You start thinking about the creature that God has created and the purpose that God has planned for you. You start thinking about yourself long term. Thinking good things, thinking whole things, thinking about things that challenge you, excellent things to focus on. How can I become a better man? How can I become 
a better person? How can I become a better saint? What can I do to serve better? How can I serve my church? How can I serve God? How can I please God? These are wholesome things. These are godly things. These are good things. And when your mind starts exercising these thoughts, all of a sudden answers start coming and you start realizing I can do this and I can do that and I can be this and I can be that because my mind now is engaging in things that are faith-filled. How can I be a blessing to somebody today? How can I minister to a coworker today? How can I minister, if you're in school, to a classmate today? These are good things. These are excellent things. These are wholesome things. These are the things that our mind should be thinking about. Not, I wonder how I can get away with this. And I wonder how I can get away with that. And I wonder if I, could, if I did this, if anybody would notice or if any. These are not wholesome things. These are not good things. You have to think against. Those are the seed thoughts that we have to repel and replace. <laughs> Second Peter 1 and 5 says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. We are to look for virtue in other people. So often we can pass judgment. I'm as guilty as the next person. I'm probably, that's probably one of my flaws. Is cr I criticize. I really criticize people's driving. I apologize ahead of time if I've gotten behind anybody <laughs> and was about that far from their bumper. We, we, it's so easy, right? We criticize people. We look and we think, oh, why do they do it like this? They could do it like that. Why are they doing this? They, you know, it's, it's just natural. But we need to be looking for virtue, especially, God help us, especially in the church. We, we need not criticize one another in the church. We get that enough from the enemy. We get that enough from the adversary. We, we have that problem alone within ourselves. We don't need to criticize our brothers and our sisters. Yes, we're all imperfect people. But if we look for things that are virtuous, th this is a good friend. This is a good saint. When they point out the things that are good in your life, when they point out the things that are awesome, things that are going well, when, when some, you have somebody in your life that points out what the good things about you, that's a good friend. That's somebody you want in your life. When you got someone in your life that is constantly tearing you down, you might want to find somebody else to hang out with. Might want to find someone else to spend time with. Just saying, we need to focus on the right things. Whatsoever, if there be any virtue, we, are, we have virtues. You have virtues. There are good things about you. I hope you believe that. There are good things about each and every one of us. Stop looking at all your flaws. Stop looking at all your imperfections. Start seeing some of the virtues in yourself. There, there are good things in your life. There are good things about you as a person and as an individual. Stop focusing on what's wrong with you and start focusing on what is right with you. Because you have value. You have value in the kingdom of God and you have value to the Lord Jesus. He gave his life for you. You have value. You have virtues. There are good things about you. So often it's easy to get caught up in the negative. 
Paul had a problem with Euodius and Syntyche. How'd you like that name? Young person, what if your mom and dad named you Yodius or Syntyche? <laughs> These two had a problem with each other. They didn't like each other's names. <laughs> no, they had difficult, a difficult time getting along. And the apostle Paul, he mentioned them by name in scripture. And he said, you need to look for virtue in one another. You need to have the same mind toward one another in the Lord. You need to stop picking on each other and picking each other apart. Paul told them they need to find the mind of the Lord and, and both of them need to have that same mind one toward the other. What if we all did that? What if we all had the same mind one toward another, one toward another and, and lifted each other up and didn't take opportunity to tear anybody down, but took opportunity to lift somebody up? What if, what if we all just came alongside one another and lifted each other up once in a while? What kind of church would we have? What kind of growth? What kind of blessing would we be to one another if, if we took opportunity and came alongside somebody and encouraged them. Think about the, the change in the attitude that would make in our church. Luke 6 and 41, the Lord said, And why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Those who look for faults in others become fault finders. That, that becomes all you see. All you see is the negative. All you see is people's faults. This is a toxic trait. It's an unhealthy and often unwholesome mindset. We must avoid the spirit of criticism. Look for ways to build somebody up. Don't look for ways to tear anybody down. That's not good for them. That's not good for you. Nobody wants to be around anybody that is critical and harsh and always picking on the faults. Displaying a critical spirit will naturally repel people from you. But if you seek out virtues in others, this will draw people to you. This will draw people to you. You want to know how to have friends? I'm going to give you a secret. Build people up. Lift people up. Young person, you want to know how to have friends? Build people up. Lift people up. I'm telling you, you will have more people wanting to hang out with you because you make them feel like a million bucks. You will have more friends than you know what to do with when you lift them up instead of tear them down. Be a builder. Don't be a destroyer. It's important that we should never permit our minds to feed like carrion vultures on filthy and unholy and fleshly things. We must look for things that are wholesome, things that have virtue. Churches that build on faults must expect earthquakes. Let's stop focusing on what the devil is doing. Let's stop focusing on everything that is wrong. Let's start focusing on what is right. Let's start building one another up. Let's be like the church of Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love. This church received the blessing in the book of Revelation. This church received an open door from the Lord. He said, I have given you the key of David, and what I have opened, no man can shut. 
Let's be a church of brotherly love. Let's fix our eyes on what God is doing and give thanks for that. Let's fix our eyes on what we want to see in our family, what we want to see in our lives. Let's look for the virtues in our families. The things, it may, maybe things aren't all virtuous right now, but let's think about the way they could be. Let's think about the way they should be. Let's think about the way that God wants them to be. And then let's let our actions start to reflect those thoughts. Then there's praise-filled thoughts. If there be any praise, we sang about it. I choose to praise. I choose to praise. Sometimes I don't always feel like praising. Everything in my life may not be like, oh, I feel like praising God today. Sometimes we feel like pouting. Instead of pouting and looking for reasons to pout, Let's look for reasons to praise. Let's look for reasons to give God glory. We're called to join the praise patrol. You want to be on the praise team? Get on the praise patrol. <laughs> look. Look for ways to praise. Look for reasons to be a praiser. This will bring God's pleasure. This will make God happy. Be a praiser. You want to please God? You want to make him smile on your life? Be a praiser. David was a praiser. Good things happen to David. If you want to see God do great things in your life, stop pouting. Start praising. Power follows praise. God's presence follows praise. Strength follows praise. Praise isn't weak. Praise is a weapon. Strength follows praise. Victory follows praise. You want to live victoriously? You want to be strong in the Lord? You want the presence of God in your life? Look for reasons to praise. Look for reasons to give God thanks. Each Christian should be a walking anthem of praise. God has done too much for us to not have a praise. The praising person looks beyond their present problems. There's a lot of peas. <laughs> yes, we have problems, but do we have praise? You're always going to have problems. But you can always have praise too. Praise puts problems in their proper perspective. Now there's some more peas for you. Man, I'm on a roll tonight. I'm just glad this thing ain't popping on me. Praise puts problems under your feet. Where they belong. God is in control. And he deserves Constant praise. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Look for reasons to praise. And then we will praise him for the promises that he brings about in our life. Giving our minds and our thoughts to all the blessings. Do you remember the old song, Count Your Blessings? 
I don't know it all. I just remember parts of it. Count your blessings one by one, something, something, something. Yeah. It's about, it's about focusing on what God is doing, the good things that God is doing in your life. You count your blessings, and all of a sudden, gratitude starts to rise up. You count your blessings because all the negativity is trying to bombard your mind. But if you start thinking about what God has done, the good things, has God ever healed your body that's worthy of praise? Has God ever healed a loved one that's worthy of praise? Has God ever saved you? Did God fill you? Did God wash away your sins? Did he save your children? That's worthy of praise. Has God ever picked you up when you were in a low place in your life and raised you up? That's worthy of praise. Has God ever kept you safe when there was clear and present danger? That's worthy of praise. We've got to filter our thoughts through these things. And Christ will be the victor in our life. Where can we find truth in honesty personified in Christ? Who is just and pure? Jesus. Who is altogether lovely? Jesus is. Who is good all the time? Jesus is. Who is virtuous and worthy of praise? Jesus is. You know, we can settle it all right now and just set our minds on Jesus. If we can just set our minds on the Lord. I woke up this morning and my mind was stayed on Jesus. I'm preaching. I, I got to settle down. I got to settle down. Romans chapter 12 and 2. And I'm closing says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. This world wants to conform you. This world wants to mold you. This world wants to make you like itself. But the Apostle Paul said, don't be conformed to this world. There's only a one way that we cannot be conformed to this world. That's by being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then when I have a renewed mind, what can I do with it? I will be able to test and approve what God's will is for my life. His good will, his plea, what pleases him, what his perfect will is. When my mind is right, I can walk right. When my mind is right, I know what God wants for me. When my mind is right, I understand when I'm walking in the will, in the ways of God. Be transformed. A Christ-controlled mind brings personal Peace. Some of us need peace in this place tonight. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. There is a peace that comes with setting our mind on the Lord and setting our thoughts on God. Who or what controls your life and thoughts? Is it culture? Is trying to fit in so that you don't stand out too much? Is this, are these the thoughts that dominate your mind? 
making sure that you don't make any waves, that you fit in just right so as to not get any questions, so as to not uh, get anybody's suspicions up. These, these thoughts will plague the mind of a believer. These thoughts will keep you from growing when you're always worried about what other people are thinking about you. Who cares what other people think about you? Who cares what this world thinks about you? This world is going to pass away. And one day you're going to stand before the Lord. That's what matters. The praise of men, Jesus said, they, they seek the praise of men instead of the praise of God. The praise of men means nothing. Here's what the praise of men will do. It will feed you one day and it will starve you the next. The praise of men means nothing. But God's praise, that's, that's what we need to set our mind on. Woo, how can I get the Lord to praise me? How can I get the Lord's praise? How can I get the Lord to pat me on the back? Well done. Well done. That was good. That was good. You did good there. I want the Lord's praise. What is it that, that dominates your thoughts? Is it, is it what others have to say about you? Is, is it all this, this chatter, what people are saying behind your back? What pe some people even have the audacity to say to your face? Who cares what they say? Every tongue that rises up against us shall be brought down. It doesn't matter what people have to say. It matters what the Lord says. Is it media intake constantly in the mind? I'm vegging out on constant media and saturating my brain with this junk from the world? These things will dominate your mind. You know what they'll do? They'll rob you of your hunger for God. You wonder why? I just don't desire. I just don't hunger. I just don't want it that bad. Why? Because you are full of this world's junk. Baptize your mind with the Word of God. Let Him, pur let him purge your mind with the washing of the water of the Word. Let God cleanse your thoughts. Let God give you a transformed mind. What you watch and what you consume regularly will come out in your lifestyle. It'll come out in your appearance. It'll come out in your speech. It'll come out in your actions. If you want his power in your life, if you want his power in your mind, you must surrender your mind to his control. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's all stand together. I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost in here tonight. Let this mind be in you. I want you to just feel after the Lord. I want you to just close your eyes and just feel after the Lord. God, help me. Help me, Lord. You have been speaking to us for three weeks, Lord, about mind control. You have been.